Thank you for joining us here at Link Church today. If you'd like to stay connected with everything that's happening in the life of our church, why not subscribe to YouTube or iTunes and be notified the moment a video or message goes live. Why not take a moment to do that now before today's message and stay connected to everything God is doing in the life of our church. Enjoy the message. I don't know about you girls, but I came to do business with Jesus tonight. Amen. Because I believe He has something personal for each and every woman sitting in this room. You're not here by chance. I think I say this every time. But God wants to speak to us. He wants to minister to us. He wants to do something profound in the depth of our hearts. And all of the moments leading to right now have been layer upon layer of the Holy Spirit shouting out over your lives this evening that you are loved by God. You are loved by God and you are seen by the woman in this, in this community. And so you are here and I believe that Jesus is gonna speak to us, amen? And so lean into this moment, lean in and hear a word from God that I believe is gonna minister to you and shift something in the atmosphere, amen? Okay, thank you. Could we just appreciate our worship team because they are above and beyond. <clears throat> I do love them. They are some of my favorites. And so I have a very personal message to share with you this evening. But before I do that, I just want to thank you for coming to Sisterhood in November. I, I am amazed that you would take time out of your week in the middle of this month to come and be here in this place in November, because I know it's frenetic. There's like this unwritten competition of who can do the most activities. The schools are competing with us, the businesses are competing with us, the churches are competing with us, and it's just like, let's see if we can get, who can get them to the most stuff. And so the fact that you are here is no small thing. I'm very grateful, and you know, because you are here, I believe you're gonna walk away refreshed and enriched and equipped and encouraged for this next season as we see the next few days of this year out. I know that you are gonna be sustained and refreshed for the rest of this year. And because you finished strong and because you are sustained and you have what you need for the journey, you're gonna enter 2019 with faith and courage like never before, amen? Okay, so let's go. This is a personal message for me. It's something I've labored over. It is something that I'm walking through. But I believe it has corporate, a corporate impact. That if you would take hold of what God is saying this evening, you would walk out of here with a renewed and fresh vision for your life. You would walk out of here with hope and truth for your season. And so I just want you to know off the get-go, I haven't arrived, okay, as I said, this is something that I'm walking through. So this is a personal message that is raw because it's still something that I'm journeying through with God. So I don't stand here with my list of 10 things you need to do to overcome in your season. I stand here as a girl who's gone on a journey with God and he's asked me to share some of the depth of my heart to help you to walk forward, amen? And so I'm gonna be telling you a story this evening and it's, it's one of the amazing stories in the Bible about the prophet Elijah. You can find it in 1 Kings 18 and 19. I'm not gonna read the whole of those chapters for the sake of time, but please go and read it because the story is actually in the Bible. I'm not making it up. It's gonna sound quite amazing and wild and you're gonna question maybe if 
did, did it happen? It did happen. It is in the Bible. So go and read it for yourself. You will be amazed. So Elijah is a prophet of the Lord to the children of Israel during the reign of King Ahab. Just some context. King Ahab, if you don't know this, is married to a very evil woman and her name is Jezebel. The Israelites have forsaken God. They've forsaken God and they've begun to worship a pagan God by the name of Baal. And it is Elijah's job to call out the injustice and idolatry. It is Elijah's job to call the people back to God. It is Elijah's job to remind the Israelites who they are. And we see in 1 Kings 18, Elijah challenges the prophets of Baal. There's 450 of them. He challenges them to a contest to see whose God is real. And they set out these sacrifices, these altars, and they wait. And the prophets of Baal beg their God. They try and do all that they can to get their God, Baal, to consume the sacrifice. And nothing happens. And the God, Yahweh, the God of Israel, consumes the sacrifice in a moment with fire. And not only the sacrifice, he consumes the dust, the stones, the water in the surrounding area. He consumes everything to prove that he is God and he is real and he is gonna fight for his children. And as this happens, Elijah, full of passion and zeal for the Lord, orders the execution of these 450 prophets of Baal he has them executed, and in a moment, he cries out to God and asks God to end a drought that's been going on for three years, and it begins to rain. Okay, so this is like a high moment for Elijah. He's at the top of his game at an all-time high. What could possibly go wrong for him now? Have you ever felt like that? Like, what could possibly go wrong? Everything is so awesome. And then in 1 Kings 19, it shifts. And Jezebel hears about what Elijah has done and she, she puts a threat on his life and she says, Elijah, I'm gonna kill you before the day's done, so you better run. So Elijah goes from this mountaintop to this valley low in a moment. And I know what you're thinking, Elijah, he's just seen the God, Yahweh of Israel, consume everything with fire. It's rained after three years. He asked God for it to rain and it suddenly starts raining. I know what you're thinking. He stood his ground. He took Jezebel on and he said, you know, I serve the God Yahweh and he's gonna fight for me. I am gonna, you know, I am not scared of you, Jezebel. He does not do that. He runs. He runs for his life as far as he possibly can go. He runs away from the problem that he's facing. I think he does what most of us would do in that situation. And in 1 Kings 19, verse one and two, it says, when Elijah saw how things were, he ran for dear life to Bathsheba, far in the south of Judah. He left his young servant, so he's completely alone, and then he goes into the desert, which is another day's journey. Another word for the desert is wilderness. Elijah runs into the wilderness. He leaves his mountaintop, he leaves people behind and he runs into the wilderness. Here's what you need to know. Elijah runs into a physical reality of a wilderness, a desert place. But the, the physical reality of a desert place of the wilderness is symbolic of a spiritual condition, a journey that we can walk through, a season of life that can, we can term the wilderness. And if you've been to Israel, I don't know if you've been there, but we were there about two years ago, and in Israel there's a place called Galilee. 
And Galilee is abundant. It's, it's full of water. It's beautiful. It's lush. It's fertile and fruitful. And then there's another place in Israel called Jerusalem. Jerusalem is, is symbolic of spiritual richness and maturity. It's symbolic of heaven. It's symbolic of intimacy and closeness with God, the, the peak of that. But between Galilee, the symbolic of the mountaintop, the high place, the abundance of life, and Jerusalem, which is spiritual maturity and richness, there's this vast area called the wilderness. And to get from Galilee to Jerusalem, you need to go on a journey through the wilderness. And the wilderness represents a wandering, it represents a pilgrimage through a wild and uncharted territory, barrenness. It represents a searching. It represents an opportunity to have a significant life-altering encounter with God. The wilderness symbolizes a desperation for food and water. And in Hebrew, this, this was amazing for me. In Hebrew, the word wilderness is the word midbar. And midbar means a wasteland. And then in the Greek, the same word wilderness is the word eremos. And eremos means a pasture, a good place to feed sheep. So there's this profound paradox of this idea of the wilderness, a desolate wasteland on the one hand, and yet an abundant pasture where God can feed his sheep. Could it be that God takes us on a journey through a desolate wasteland? to discover that in him we can find an abundant pasture to feed from. You know, it's not uncommon when we think of the wilderness in a negative way. No one thinks of a desert and goes, oh yes, perfect holiday destination. Take me to the desert. No one ever said that. The desert is seen in a negative light. It's dry, it's hot, it's desolate. And so it's not uncommon for you to think of a wilderness experience and think of a struggle, to think of it in a negative way. But I want to encourage you tonight. Uh, my hope is that you would leave here this evening with a renewed, fresh understanding that the wilderness is not a bad thing. It's a journey to walk through. And I love how God responds to the people when they walk through the wilderness. In Deuteronomy 32 verse 9 and 10, it says, for the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob has allotted heritage. He found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of the wilderness, he encircled him. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. In the wilderness, in, those journey, in that journey of life, in those spaces where we go on a journey that feels desolate and dry, where we are gasping for air, we are hungry and thirsty for God to come through. God encircles us. He surrounds us. He cares for us. He keeps us as the apple of his eye. And in Isaiah 43 verse nine, it says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God provides water, living water for you and I in the wastelands of life. We need not stress. We need not fret about these seasons of life that we will walk through that are dry and barren where we feel alone because God says he will make a way. He will lead us through. He will provide for us living water. If you hear anything tonight, I want you to hear this. Keep on walking through the wilderness. 
there is so much more lying on the other side of your wilderness journey. Your Jerusalem is waiting for you. Your Jerusalem is waiting for you. So embrace this place. Walk it through. Don't be in a rush. I know it's hard. But just because something is uncomfortable doesn't make it wrong. The devil may have played a part in leading you to your wilderness space, just like he did Jesus. Led Jesus into a wilderness. For 40 days and 40 nights, he was tested. The devil leads him there. The devil may have led you to this space, but do not underestimate the power of God to see you through the wilderness. Don't fight the process. The story goes on to tell us that now Elijah's in the wilderness, okay? He's in the desert and he starts being completely overdramatic. I'm gonna die, I'd rather die than be here. I'd rather die than face Jezebel. I'm gonna die anyway, take my life, God. And then after he's had this major rant at God, he falls asleep. If I've learned anything this year in my wilderness journey, it's that things can seem incredibly impossible when we are exhausted. Perhaps we don't need to share all of what we're going through and all the drama of our lives with the world. Perhaps we need to go and have a nap. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay. Do you know in New York they have things called nap spas? Could we bring the nap spas to Africa? In Jesus' name, we pray for the nap spas. Honestly, all the moms are like, yes, Jesus, bring it to Africa. Tiredness and fatigue, emotional burnout will make us do crazy, irrational things. It will cause us to react rather than to respond with wisdom to our circumstances. We see that through Elijah. You will have seen it in my life. I will have seen it in yours. I've had a big year. It has been hard. It hasn't all been bad, but it has been something I've had to journey through, a wilderness season. And, and I'm also physically tired. I have four kids. One of them's a little baby who likes me a lot. He doesn't get personal space. And so we are together all the time. Praise Jesus for him. But it's tiring. I should not be making big decisions about what I believe about who I am and the call God has on my life in a season where I am emotionally and physically exhausted. It's probably not a great idea. So to the new moms and to the moms with teenagers, if they're keeping you up because you know they're figuring out who they are, to the, to the women who are more mature, I've heard that in menopause, I know, I said menopause on the platform. Let, let, let everyone be free. It is something that happens to women and apparently you don't sleep. So I'm here to encourage you, you might be exhausted. That's okay, okay? To the working woman, to students studying because you just feel this pressure, pressure, pressure. Can I encourage you to sleep on it? <laughs> sleep, go and get some sleep. Don't panic, take a deep breath. Find a tree, find a nap spa, phone a friend, but get some sleep. And then the story goes on. The angel of the Lord wakes Elijah up. I know the the story sounds completely wild, but it's there. The angel of the Lord comes and wakes Elijah up and he feeds him. He says, get up and eat. 
because you've got a long journey ahead of you. This is what I know for sure. God will always feed us in the wilderness because he cares. He makes a way, but we've got to choose to eat. The angel of the Lord brings the food and places it before Elijah, but Elijah had to pick it up and put it in his mouth. God knows. He knows that what you and I need for the journey ahead because he knows what's coming. And sometimes the seasons, the wilderness seasons of life can feel long. They feel like they're going on forever. When there is an opportunity to feed on him, to receive his word, to share in his communion and be strengthened in faith, I wanna encourage you girls to take everything you can for the journey ahead of you. Do you know that this is a table? This is a table This is food. And so you sit here, you need to receive this food, eat it for the journey ahead of you. Sunday in and Sunday out, this church prepares a table for you to come and eat from, to come and take what you need for the journey ahead of you. I wanna encourage you, if you're not part of Link Church, go back to your church, feed off that table, take what you need for the journey ahead of you. If you don't are new to church and you don't know really what church is about, but you're feeling like you need something, I wanna encourage you to find a church then you can call home and eat from the table that has been laid before you. Take what you need for the journey because you're gonna need sustenance for what lies ahead. We cannot do it in our own strength. We cannot do it on our own steam. We need the word of God to carry us through, to strengthen us for the wilderness, the journey that lies before us. I know you want to fight it because I have too. The wilderness is part of your story. Don't fight it, embrace it because it's part of our journey towards Jerusalem. And if you're not there now, if you're not walking, I had someone message me and say, I don't know if sisterhood's for me because you said it's for people going through a hard time and my year's been awesome. <laughs> I was like, that's amazing. Yeah, wow. So I said, that is amazing. But you know what? If you're not there now, chances are you'll get there someday. So let this be encouragement for all of you who've had an amazing year. Let this be an encouragement for all of you who have had a great 2018, if, you, if you're not there now, chances are you've been there before and you will get there someday. The wilderness is part of our story. It's part of our journey towards Jerusalem. And if you're right there, I wanna say, hang on, do not despair. I know it's tough, I know it can feel long, but this is what I know for sure, that God wants to care for you in this space. God wants you to see and know that he will feed, he will speak, and he will deliver even in the wilderness. So the story goes on to tell us that Elijah then leaves the wilderness and he runs towards Mount Horeb. Okay, now Mount Horeb is the place where, is the place where Moses ascended to be in the presence of God. Elijah doesn't ascend the mountain to be in the presence of God. He runs to the bottom of the mountain and detours into the cave and promptly falls asleep. We are all very much like Elijah, okay? Because this is what I know about humanity. This is what I know about you and me. We are very good at running from our problems and we are very good at running from God. Adam and Eve, Cain, Jonah, Peter, Tess, maybe even you, we're good at running from God. We run 
and we hide in the caves that we've created. And the problem is, once you put yourself in a cave and you stay there for too long, you begin to adopt what I like to call a cave mentality. Cave mentality looks and sounds like this, I am the victim. Everyone's out to get me. No one understands. They just don't see me. I'm lonely. I am wounded. A cave mentality looks discouraged and disillusioned, depressed and disappointed. And caves are dark, so they kill vision. They kill vision and they blur our ability to see the clarity of what God is calling us to and what he says about us. It blur, they blur truth. Caves, a cave mentality is confined and small and keeps us small in our thinking, small and narrow-minded in our thinking. And a cave will keep us bent over in posture because they're small. And so you can't stand up straight in many caves. Most of them you have to sit or crouch in. So it will cause a bent posture. This is a cave mentality. Caves isolate us. They isolate us from truth and they isolate us from people. How does God respond to Elijah in the cave? He finds him. He finds him and he seeks him out. I wanna remind us all this evening that there is no place that you can go to hide from God. I've learned that to be true. I've tried to run, I've tried to hide, but I serve a God who searches and finds even when I'm running from him. Psalm 139 Verse 7 to 12, and the message is beautiful, and it says this, Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute because you're already there waiting. And then I said to myself, oh, he even sees me in the dark. He even sees you in the cave the darkest caves that we put ourselves in to hide from what we know to be true, from what we're battling with, the pain that we're experiencing. God seeks Elijah out and he calls to him and he asks him an important question. He doesn't only ask him once, he asks him twice, so it's a really important question. He says, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? He doesn't condemn He's not frustrated, he doesn't mock him, he's not angry with Elijah. He calls him with a gentle whisper and he asks him, what are you doing here? I don't know about you, but I don't wanna miss that whisper. I don't wanna miss the whisper of God calling me out from my cave because I've allowed the voice of the world and people and my circumstances to become so loud that I can't hear the whisper of God. The whisper says, you don't belong in a cave. You were not born to hide. What are you doing here? Come outside. The whisper of God this evening over the sisterhood and over the women of this nation is come outside. Come outside. What cave are you hiding in? Is it your image, your job, your home, your money, your lack of money, your bitterness? Unforgiveness? Is it friendships? Is it social media? Is it your kids? Is it the lies you've believed about yourself? What are you doing here? Do you know that the cave, even the ones we create for ourselves, 
is the devil's scheme to distract us from our calling. He wants to keep you in a cave. It's out. Now he has no power. Guess what? The devil wants to keep you in a cave. He wants to distort your perspective. He wants to hem you in with lies so you can't move. And he wants to cause you to doubt who you are. Resist the urge to stay in the cave. Come outside. I want to tell you a little bit of my story. So I am, last year we had Sisterhood in Groutful. I don't know if any of you were there. Raise your hands if you were. Yay, some of you were, and it was amazing. And I'd really felt God calling us as a sisterhood to go to the community of Groutful and put on an event, kind of like what you see here, and speak truth and life into these women. And so we had an amazing event there. I believe God shifted something in the atmosphere. He met with women. He reminded them who they are. He spoke truth over the lies that have been spoken over them because of the atrocities of this nation. And God did something significant in my heart for South Africa. He broke my heart for this people, and he, he put in me a fuel and a fire to become an advocate for women of this nation, to stand tall and to fight the injustices that have, been happen, that have happened in the past. He put a desire in me to meet the needs of every woman in this nation, to remind them that they are called by God, loved by God, seen by God, that they have a value, and they need to showcase that to the world. God did that in me in that moment. And then five days later, we found ourselves with our third daughter, Anna, and she had to have a very minor surgery to have her lymph nodes that were really enlarged on her neck removed. And we were supposed to, cut a long story short, we were supposed to go in for this procedure and it was going to take a day and then we we're going to come home and we're going to carry on changing the world, right? Because we're awesome. And it didn't work like that. A one-day procedure turned into nine days in ICU, and I watched a bacterial infection from the operation attack her tissue, and I watched it attack this little person. And I watched her fight for her life, and I watched as we pioneered a building project in the middle of it. I watched as that happened, and the enemy came against us time and time again. He went for my daughter. And you know what? God is good. And she came out of that and she was, she's healed and she's whole and she's feisty and she's perfect and she is my most difficult child to parent. Amen. Praise Jesus. Just reminding me that she is going to change the world. And the thing is, though, I left that moment in time and it was so painful. I thought she was going to die and it was so painful that I ran, I ran so far from the call of God that I felt that God was calling me to, to be an advocate for the woman of this nation because I saw that when I stepped into that, he came after my daughter and I didn't want that. So I ran and I ran so hard and so fast right into the wilderness and then God called me and wooed me towards himself and I said, no, thank you. I'm gonna go and sit in a cave. And that's kind of where I've been for a little while, sitting in the cave with God saying, Tess, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And the thing is, the cave is dark. The cave has been dark. But this is what I know for sure. God has reminded me 
that he even sees me in the dark. Even though I've created this cave for myself because I don't want to deal with pain and I don't want to deal with reality sometimes. He says, don't worry, I even see you in the dark. And the other thing about caves is that they're lonely, really lonely. Elijah left all his people. What he didn't know is there were 7,000 people who served and loved God and that he had people on his side. But he ran because he thought that he was the only one and he put himself in a cave. Caves are lonely. But this is what God has shown me and taught me about loneliness. Jesus has redeemed loneliness. We need not be alone. We need not feel alone. Because when Jesus, just before he was about to be crucified, they put him in a prison. They put him in a pit. And I've sat in there in Israel. It's a dark pit. It looks like a cave. And they put him in this prison. They put him in the pit. And Psalm 88 tells us that darkness was his only friend. Jesus went to the most loneliest of loneliest of loneliest places that you and I would never have to feel alone. He redeems relationship. He redeems all of that for us that even in the caves of life, even in the wilderness, we can understand and know to be true that we are better together and that there are people fighting for me even when I don't feel it. There are people cheering me on even when I don't know it and believe it. There are people cheering you on even when you don't know or believe it. There, are, there is a company of women here this evening that believes in you, that loves you, and wants you to know that you are seen and known by God. And so I've sat in this cave but God has so gently and so kindly spoken truth over me. And I, want, and I believe as he's spoken over me, he wants to speak over you. Come outside. Come out of your cave. Sometimes saying yes to God and being obedient to his call can cause pain and stress in our lives. Life is not perfect. It's not always easy but just because it's uncomfortable doesn't make it wrong. Come outside because there is a God in heaven who wants you to know the truth about who you are. And there's the presence of God that is gonna pass by you, but you're gonna miss it if you're sitting in the cave. You need to come outside. Come out onto the mountain and experience the presence of God. God calls Elijah out of the cave and he takes his misery, the misery of Elijah, and he gives him a mission. God is calling us out of our caves this evening and he wants to, he wants to make a trade. He wants to take our misery and he wants to give us a mission. It's a charge by the God of heaven, our Father, to move beyond what's comfortable and embrace the calling. You know, God, the call of God on Elijah was to come out of the cave to go and anoint King Jehu, who was the very king who would kill Jezebel. The very woman that's caused all of the problems in the first place. God anoints Elijah and says, go and call King Jehu to become king over Israel, and that man is going to kill Queen Jezebel. He then asks them to anoint Elisha, who will be his successor. And Elisha is known as the one who got the double portion, who did 14 miracles as opposed to the seven miracles that Elijah did. And can I say that the story is always bigger than what we can see. 
It's always bigger than you and me. My story, my journey, the wilderness, the cave, it's so much bigger than me. This is our story. And I really fear that if we stay in the caves of life, we're gonna miss on the God's, we're gonna miss the God story. The God story that goes beyond our lives and impacts a generation after us who will do greater things than we could ever imagine. I want you to know and believe this evening that even in the wilderness, God will come looking for you. He's gonna sustain you. He's gonna feed you. And He's gonna lead you to Jerusalem. And even in the cave, even in the caves of life, His light is gonna shine bright over you. His whisper is what will call you out. He's gonna show Himself strong on your behalf and lead you forward and give you a calling. He's gonna give you a mission for your life, but you gotta step out of the cave. You gotta come outside. I feel like God spoke to me this, this evening as I was preparing and he, and he said to tell you, there are people in this room who feel surrounded. You feel trapped, trapped in the caves of life but I believe Jesus is courageously asking us this evening to come outside, come outside of what we've created, come outside of our fear. I know it's hard to step out of what we've created. I know that there is a monotony to motherhood. I know that there are pressures to friendship. I know that there, are, there is competition in the workplace. I know that there are unrealistic expectations placed upon us day in and day out. I know that there is pain in life, but I believe we can take the power of God this evening. With His Spirit, together we can come outside. You may feel surrounded this evening, but you are not surrounded by problems. You are not surrounded by calamity. You are not surrounded by defeat. You are not surrounded by disillusionment, depression. You are not surrounded. You are surrounded by the God of the angel armies the one who stands strong on our behalf and calls us by name, who brings us out of hiding and then tucks us into the shadow of his wing and says, come, let's go on an adventure together where I will lead you to green pastures where you will eat and drink, where you will experience the promised land that I have set before you. Jesus Christ beckons us this morning, uh, this evening, and He says, I have redeemed and restored so much for you. All that was broken, all that was bonded, that is what is surrounding us this evening, the power of Christ, the victory that is ours in Jesus Christ. The story is bigger than what we can see. It's so much bigger. And the one who calls us this evening is faithful to see it through the one who saves us and calls us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of His purpose and grace. That is who surrounds us in this place this evening. I want you to stand with me tonight. I believe that in the caves of life where we feel completely contained, where we feel like we've been hemmed in, where we feel like we're surrounded, God says, will you open your mouths and sing praise to me? Sing out, speak out, praise to me and watch me move on your behalf. 
watch me move on your behalf. You are not surrounded by anything else this evening but the love of Jesus Christ, the one who fights for your behalf. So, so I believe, girls, I want you to hear that there is a battle for your calling. The enemy wants to come and steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to maim the woman of this nation. He wants to silence us, silence us. He wants to keep us in the background so that the whole of humanity is disjointed. So there's no wholeness and freedom. But I believe that we need to fight back this evening and how we fight is with praise. We don't fight by ranting and raving. We fight with praise of our God. Praise of who He is. And as I believe, as we praise this evening, as we become honest in our praise, as we lift up a holy roar to heaven, we're gonna step out of our caves, we're gonna come outside and we're gonna experience the freedom that Christ Jesus has for us. That freedom that says you are not surrounded by your problems, you're not surrounded by lies, you're not surrounded by anything else, but the Spirit of God that fights for you this evening.